away at once with a, Jesus sent him away at once with a strong warning. See that you do not tell this to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Instead, he went out and began to talk freely, spreading the news. As, the res- as a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but stayed outside in lonely places. Yet the people still came to him from everywhere. There's so much depth right here in this account about this man with no name who is known only as the man with leprosy. There's so many things that we can learn, but we're going to focus on how Jesus reached him and how God is calling us to reach others. And so we're going to break down how to reach people like Jesus. And we're going to do it in Pastor Joy's favorite acrostic style way. And we're going to break down the word reach. The first point that we're going to talk here is to reach people like Jesus. If you want to reach people the way Jesus reached people, then we have to be willing to take risk. If you have your talk it over sheet, that's the first fill in the blank there. Risk must be taken. We need to take a risk. We need to step out. We need to be bold. We need to do radical things for Jesus. This week, um, our ladies just went to go see the movie um, about a football team. What was it called? Woodlawn. Okay. (laughs) I know I get it confused too, whoever said the wrong name. Okay, it was, it was an incredible um, real-life, true account story of how a, a minister went into a, a, a school that was going through a lot of hard times at the time, and he ministered to the football team, and really God just used them, and uh, used, the coach got saved, and just revival that, that took place. But see, it all started with someone who took a risk and said, you know what, I know these people don't even know who I am, but God is sending me to this school, so I'm going to take a risk, and I'm going to go. Friends, God wants us to take risk for his kingdom. One of my mentors, Shannon Sepp, taught me that the acronym for risk can be reaching into Satan's kingdom. See, the church is to, to be not just on the defense. We always want to be on the defense. The church is to be on the offense. The kingdom of hell is on the defense against the church. Matter of fact, the Bible says that the gates of Hades cannot withstand the church. Friends, we have to be on the offense. We have to be ones who are willing to risk it all for the kingdom's sake. And sometimes that just starts with a willingness. Sometimes taking risks for God simply comes down to willingness. Are you willing to go? Are you willing to reach out to others? Are you willing to share the love of Jesus with somebody else? Are you willing to get out of your own funk and your own depression and your own despair to help someone else? Are you willing to take a risk? Are you willing to do something bold for Jesus? Because, friends, if you don't, I'm telling you, you are going to be bored as a Christian. I get the opportunity to speak to the uh, Toledo Christian Chapel and I get to do uh, the middle school and sometimes the high school. And, man, I'm telling you what, I love that school. I love going because these are kids that all come from Christian homes. They're not perfect. But a lot of times growing up in the church, and I know from one who did grow up in the church, sometimes you can hear the stories, and you can, and that's all they are to you is stories instead of true life accounts, things that happen that to, are to inspire us, to give us courage to do what God has called us to do. And so I love going into that school, and I say, you know what? It's not boring to be a Christian. If you are are a bored Christian, then you ain't living it, friends. 
Because I'm telling you, when you take risk for Jesus, you will not be bored. When you step up and say, you know what? I feel something going on in me today. I know God has called me to worship. I see everyone else looking bored in worship service today, but I can't help it. There's something on the inside that's stirring. There's something that's making me say, you know what? I'm going to praise him even if no one else around me is. I'm going to give him glory. I'm going to give him honor. I'm going to take a risk for Jesus. I'm going to risk being laughed at. I'm going to risk being mocked. I'm going to be, I'm going to risk being made fun of, but it doesn't matter because he's worthy and he's worth it all friends. Seven years ago, when I first started going to, um, TCS, it was, it was awesome. They, uh, one of the young ladies, they have like a, um, shadow day where you follow around, you know, someone who does something like say you want to be a nurse. And so you follow around a nurse or you want to be, um, a, a computer programmer. So you fall around a computer programmer where this, this young woman said that she wanted to be in ministry. So she chose to follow me around that day and shadow me. And we just got to talk. And I still remember speaking with her and she said, you know what, when you first came and you ministered at our chapel service, some people made fun of you because of the way you worship. I said, that's awesome. And she's like, what? I'm like, I don't care. You know what? I don't care if people laugh at me because my hands are raised because the Bible says to lift holy hands. I don't care if people make fun of me because you know what? That might inspire them to not care so much about what people think around them. Maybe next time they're going to worship a little bit more. Friends, we've got to learn to take risk. And that comes down to a willingness. Are you willing to worship when no one else is worshiping? Are you willing to reach out and call someone and talk to somebody when you know they're hurting, even though you're going through your own funk? Are you, are you willing to not just think about yourself, friends? Because that's what keeps a lot of us from going into the kingdom. Listen, everybody's going through it. Everybody has problems. I have to shake. There's things you have to shake it off and say, God, you're worth it. You're worth it, and I'm willing to risk for you. See, when Jesus touched the man with leprosy, he demonstrated a risk, taking at the finest. To, be complete, uh, to completely understand what Jesus did, we must understand what leprosy is. See, in the Bible, the word leprosy was mentioned about 40 times, depending on the Bible uh, version being used. Leprosy is a disease that was caused by bacteria. Mostly people that lived in poor areas have dirty water, food with little vitamins uh, that aren't healthy to begin with. They were the ones who would get it. It looks very bad, even gross. It can make a face look bumpy and completely change the way a person looks. Some people get it in their hands and feet and would even lose their fingers and toes from it. This isn't everything that leprosy is, but hopefully this can help you get the picture. On top of all of it, during the time that Jesus was around, people thought that leprosy was caused by people's sin. So if someone had leprosy, it was because they did something wrong. So they had that stigmatism that went with it. And for all of the, these reasons, lepers, as they were called, were kicked out of the city. They were kicked out of their homes to live outside of it. They weren't allowed in stores or churches or synagogues or public places. So many times they went and lived in the dumps where the garbage were. And they would, that's where they would find their food and the things that they needed. No one wanted to see them for fear of touching them and catching the disease. That, and that would make them unclean because of their sin. So now, hopefully, you have a picture that's painted just how cruel this disease was at this time and how much of a risk Jesus took by touching the man that he reached out 
and touched him, friends. How many people around us are, are in something that, that makes them feel isolated, that makes them feel alone, that makes them feel far away from God, and then yet the people of the church are not going against uh, not going to them and reaching out. We're not pushing back the kingdom of darkness because we're too afraid to take risks because we desire to be comfortable instead. Friends, this place should be filled both first and second service every single week because the people of God are taking risks by inviting people. You just got to get to church. You got to know Jesus. You got Come here. Just see what God has done with, in me. Friends, when I first got saved, and I'm not saying this to boast in myself, it was something, the, the work of the Lord that he did in me. All my friends were not saved, and I didn't care what, that our, that our church wasn't perfect and that we didn't have the best carpet and the whatever. I didn't care about any of that stuff. I filled rows up with visitors. One time I had, oh, and Pastor Josh laughed at me because I had a whole row of football players. I was just 19 years old, man. I brought them all to church. I'm like, come on, we got to go to church. They thought I was crazy. They said, Joy, you went overboard with this Jesus stuff. I said, no, I haven't gone overboard with Jesus. When you guys get a new girlfriend, man, all that's all you do is talk about. I'm telling you what, Jesus is the lover of my soul and I don't care. You got to come get to know him. And from my persistency, man, I was bringing people to the church every single week, people who didn't know Jesus. And from there, there's still some people now that are serving the Lord. And from that exposure, to Jesus. One of those young men are, is now a youth pastor in another church, friends. Come on, you never know who you're reaching out to. But we have to take risks. We can't be afraid and we can't get comfortable. And guess what, friends? Still today, I'm not, I, I'm not around. Uh, I have to make more of an effort today. I'm not in a secular school where I'm, a, you know, or in college where I'm around a whole bunch of people uh, all the time. I'm here at church, so I'm around, you know, Pastor Dawn. She already has Jesus and Pastor Josh. So I had to make more of an effort now. So when I go to the gym, I have to make an effort to talk to somebody, to befriend somebody. When I go to my kids' games, I have to make an effort to sit by someone I don't know and talk, about, uh, talk to them and get to know them and, and befriend them. And, and when I go out to a restaurant, I have to make an effort to get to know the waitress and, and to leave a card and, and invite them to church. These are things that we have to do, friends. We have to take risks. To reach people. Do you get that? God is calling us to, to take risks. And he set an example by reaching out and touching even the one who would be the most defiled. We must decide that we're willing to take risks for Jesus. And if we want to reach people, we also need to be like Jesus by exposing ourselves to others. It takes effort, friends. Are we willing to expose ourselves to others? Are we willing to truly touch other people's lives? Jesus was. When we, re when we read here in Mark 1 and verse 41, there's a word that kind of caught my attention. It says that Jesus was indignant. I thought, oh, man, what's, what's that mean? He was indignant. See, but what that really means is that he wasn't indignant at the man. and the dis He wasn't indignant at the disease and how it made him look. He wasn't indignant that he was unclean. What he was indignant was the raging effects of the disease and the social isolation that resulted from it. De Jesus touched the man, and that was an act that brought defilement. See, it was an act that broke the law. See, Leviticus 5 and 2 says, if anyone becomes aware that they are guilty, if they are unwittingly touched, anything ceremonially unclean, whether it's a carcass or an unclean animal, wild or domestic, or of any unclean creature that moves along the ground and they are unaware that they have become unclean, but then they come to realize their guilt. 
Leviticus also in 13, 45 and 46 says this. Anyone with such a divining disease must wear torn clothes. Let their hair be unkept. Cover the lower part of their face and cry out, unclean, unclean. As long as they have the disease, they remain unclean. They must live alone. They must live outside the camp. Jesus, friends, though, he decided that he was going to make an effort to expose himself. He decided that his compassion supersedes any ceremony uh, consideration, friends. Friends, there are still people who are ostracized. There are still people who are marginalized, who are kept outside of everything that God has for them. Are we willing to go to them? Are we willing to expose ourselves to them? Are we willing to say, you know what? You, you're invited into my life. You're invited to have community with me. Are we reaching out, friends? That's what Jesus did. That's what Jesus wants us to do. He wants us to expose ourselves to be, make the effort. Friends, we must be willing to reach others. We have to go the length. Light is greater than darkness. Do you realize that? We don't have to be afraid of the enemy and his schemes. We need to be aware of them, but not afraid of them. Light is greater than darkness. He that lives in you is greater than he that's in the world. Do you realize that? Do you realize the authority that you have in Christ? If you do, then we have to make the effort. We have to go the length. We have to say, you know what? Here I am. I'm willing to expose myself for the kingdom's sake. I'm willing to say, you know what? Come enter. I'm, I'm willing to have community with you. I'm willing to sit with you at Vision Kitchen and get to know your story and talk to you. I'm willing to go to the library where, where if you have a little phone um, app that, that has a Toledo police, you see how many phone calls, you know, how many phone calls the library gets, right, Angel? But we're willing to be missionaries to the library to let the light shine because our light is greater than the darkness. Are you willing to expose, be exposed a little bit? See, friends, God hasn't called us to live in fear, but he has called us to go into the world and push back the darkness. See, the power we have in Jesus is greater than the power of sin. Let me explain this a little bit. Leprosy is a lot like sin, okay? Both were incurable. People still get leprosy today, even in the United States. There's 6,500 in the United States that have the disease. Worldwide, there are 2 million who have it today. The same is true with sin. Everyone has it. Everyone. No one is immune. Likewise, your good deeds will not make your sin go away any more than taking a bath will make leprosy disappear. Isaiah 64, 66 says this, all of us have become like the one who is unclean and all of our righteous acts are like filthy rags. And I'm going to tell you what that really means. You're going to have to look that up on your own. We all shrivel up like a leaf and like the wind, our sin sweeps us away. Friends, both leprosy and sin have a numbing effect on its victim. See, once a person shows signs of having leprosy, the area of their body affected by the disease is completely numb because the disease destroys both the tissue and the nerve endings. In the same way, sin also has a numbing effect on a person's conscience. Come on, friends. What was once considered evil by an individual becomes normal. And soon the person becomes completely unaware of the horrible effects sin has on their life. This explains how so many have become desensitized to evil. Romans 1, 32 says this, although they knew God's righteous decree and those who have done such things deserve death, they not only continue to do the very things, but they also approve of those who practice them. Does that not sound like our country today? 
See, leprosy and sin have a lot in common. Both leprosy and sin destroy lives. In the Bible days, and even today in third world countries, people with the dreaded disease become disfigured almost beyond recognition. If you were ever to see someone with advanced stages of leprosy, you would be horrified. Both leprosy and sin causes separation. People with leprosy as recently as the 19th century were forced to leave their families and loved ones and live out the remainder of their lives in loneliness and isolation. In the Jewish law, a leper was not allowed to enter a walled city. It was also illegal to keep a leper even out in the open country. If a leper did enter a village, people often threw stones at them to get them to leave. They were shunned and despised. In much the same way, sin causes loneliness and isolation. Today, sin is responsible, friends. It's responsible for the destruction of marriage, of family, of friendships, of individuals' life, and society as a whole. It is a disease that we must learn to reject and without rejecting the person who suffers from it. Friends, and the only way we're going to do that is realizing that it takes effort, that we have to realize that greater is he that lives in us than he that's in the world. We have to expose ourselves to the darkness and say, light is greater than darkness. What's in me is greater than what's in the world. I won't be afraid. I won't be timid. God does not give us a spirit of timidity, but of power, love, and a sound mind. And I'm going to go, and those who are isolated, those who are marginalized, those who are alone and depressed, and I'm going to reach out with the love of Jesus. I'm going to take risks. I'm going to make an effort. I'm going to do what God has called me to do, friends, because he's worthy. Jesus died on the cross to reach us, to bring us into right relationship with the Father. See, this was the ultimate exposure. The ultimate exposure was demonstrated by Jesus hanging naked and bleeding on the cross, and he did this, friends, for us. Are we willing to reach out to the one who's far from God. See, Jesus died for them, and now he's sending us with a message. Are you willing to be exposed for Jesus? Are you willing to make the effort? Are you willing to do what it takes? See, another thing that God has called us to do, if we want to reach people the way Jesus reached people, yeah, we need to take risks. Yes, we need to expose our, our light, let it shine in the dark places. And another thing we need to do is we need to allow our affection to show to shine through. See, Jesus showed the man with leprosy affection by touching him. This was the first time this man felt touched the entire time he had the disease. Because as I already read to you, the lepers had to be outside the camp. They had to keep their hair unclean. They had to, to say unclean, unclean. Anytime they came around people, they weren't allowed to be touched. And yet he said, fell to his knees in a humble state and said, Jesus, if you're willing. And Jesus said, I am willing. And he reached out and he touched them and he showed affection and he showed love friends that is what people want they want love they want affection see the bible says that we are to we are the world is to look at us and know that we're his disciples by what the love we share with one another this week at ladies night out man one of the coolest things is after we saw the movie we went out to eat and not everybody could, could stay out late but those of us who are party animals we were there and we were kicking it and we were just being ourselves having a good old time I mean we even had a tickling match between Pastor Renee and myself because she wanted to take a selfie with me it's all good man we just had fun we ate half off uh, appetizers and had a good time fellowshipping together so much so that there was a table near us of women and I didn't even know this until my sister made me aware they said, I want to go to your church. 
And they wanted to find out information about our church, friends, because of the affection and the love that we shared with one another. That's what God has called us to do. When people look at Pastor Josh and my marriage, I want them to say, I want a marriage like that because God has made this marriage holy. Right? When God looks at the way Papa Frank is with his grandchildren and children, my dad, I want them to say, I want to be a papa like that when I'm older. My, my husband said, when I become a grandfather, I'm going to be like that. I want to be like that. I'm going to stay involved in my children's lives. I'm going to stay involved in my grandchildren's life. I'm going to know them. Friends, God wants us to do these things to set an example of affection for one another. Not because some people got it better than other people, friends. All of us can do that through Christ. You don't know people's stories. You don't know everything everybody's gone through. Not everybody puts all their business on Facebook nowadays. Just many of us. You don't truly know somebody. Friends, we got to stop making excuses and saying, oh, well, they had it easy because they had this and they had that. And You don't know what their struggle was. Oh, well, you know, they had both mom and dad at home, but you don't know what their struggle was. Oh, but, you know, you know, they, you know, they make good money, so they got to ease. You don't know what their struggle is. You don't know what uh, uh, people go through. You don't know what happens behind closed doors. Stop looking at every, everybody else and, and allowing jealousy to grip our heart. Instead, we need to say, God, because you love me, I choose that you have the abundant light for me. And so, therefore, I'm going to allow the affection of Christ to go, go through me, for me, and through me for others. Does that make sense, friends? That's what God has called us to do. That's what Jesus did to the leper. He said, I am willing. And he reached out and he touched him. See, there was a study that was done, and I don't even know why in the world they would do such a study, but they did a study back in the 1940s that had 26 children in an orphanage, and the babies were more or less cut off from human contact in their cribs. Their basic needs were still taken care of. Obviously, they were still fed and changed. But other than that, they just didn't have, they did not have, um, human contact. It was a nurse had to care for seven children. By the time the babies were one year old, the isolated orphanage, orf, orphan babies were less curious, less playful, and more subject to infection. When they reached two and three years of life, of the 26 children reared in the orphanage, only two could rock and manage a few words, friends. This study showed the power of touch, the power of affection, the power of reaching out in love for one another. I'm telling you, sin isolates us. It makes us feel like we're all alone and that nobody cares. That's a trick and a ploy of the enemy. But God wants to bring us into community where we know that we have people who love us, who care for us. And even when we're going through things, that there's those who are praying for us and lifting us up and encouraging us. And that's why it's so important to show affection for one another. That's why it's so important when you important when you notice someone's not in church shoot them a text send a facebook message use technology for good for once and reach out to somebody we need to show affection for one another all of us this is not something that's that only one or two or three people can do you know statistics say that of a church that only 20 percent of people do 80 percent of the work that's a shame friends we've got to change those statistics many hands make the work low light if only 20% are doing 80% of the work, those 20% cannot handle the needs of every single person. It takes community to reach out and share affection and love with one another. God is calling us for this so much so Jesus tells us in his word in 2 Corinthians 
1, 3, and 7. This is the message version. You guys know I like it because it just says it plain. It says, all praise to God the Father, our Master, Jesus, the Messiah, Father of all mercy, God of all healing counsel. He comes alongside us when we go through hard times. Can someone say, well... And before you know it, he brings us alongside someone else who has been going through hard times so that we can be there for that person just like God was there for us. Hmm. Can someone say, well, again, well, we have plenty of hard times that come from following the Messiah. Well, but no more so than the good times of the healing comfort. We get a full measure of that, too. Mm-hmm. When we suffer for Jesus, it works out for your healing and salvation. If we are treated well, given a helping hand and encouraging word, that also works for your benefit, spurring you on, face forward, unflinching. Your hard times are also our hard times. When we, when we see that you're just as willing to endure the hard times as enjoy the good times, we know you're going to make it. No doubt about it. Man, isn't that just so flat out? When you're willing to endure the hard times just like you are to enjoy the good times, then there's no doubt you're going to make it in Christ. You're going to make it. The Bible says, count it all joy, friends. Come on, everything you're going through, count it all joy. God is still there. His affection is still there. And guess what? Maybe you can reach out and notice somebody else. Job, you know what? Read Job. When did he receive his healing, friends? I mean, this man had everything taken from him, everything, his children, his home, his livestock, everything destroyed, except for the one nagging wife that he had. She was still there. <laughs> he had to make more kids afterwards because God blessed him back with, a, with everything more than what he had before. But guess what? Guess what, friends? He didn't receive his healing until after he prayed for his friends, the same friends that sat there and said, well, it must be because you're in sin somewhere and had debates just like we like to do on Facebook about our theology. Debate, 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 debate. That's not winning anyone to Christ. That's what these friends were doing to Job. Debate, debate, debate. But left, guess what? He didn't receive his healing until he prayed for them. And then he received his healing. And then he received everything back that he lost, friends. You might still be in your funk because you're wallowing in it. Wake up. Show affection for someone else. And maybe then you're going to get your breakthrough. No one's saying amen in here today. Mm-hmm. That's okay. I love you. That's why I'm talking. I love you. See, Ephesians 4, 32 says, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Sometimes we're sick because we're bitter, friends, because we haven't let go. We haven't truly forgiven. Colossians 3.12 says, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Come on, clothe yourself in these things. Galatians 6.2 says, bear with one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Show affection, friends, to one another. Compassionate, be considerate, be kind. When the enemy tries to make people afraid to come to a Christ and afraid to come to church, you know what he does? He says, he says, you're too much of a mess to go into that church. You got too much going on. You got to clean yourself up before you can go to church. Come on. How, how, how many of you guys have talked to someone who's heard that lie? How many of you guys used to believe that yourself? Oh, I can't go there. I'm too much of a mess. 
I, I mean, the, the wall, I've heard people say the walls are going to fall, cave in and the, and the ceiling's going to fall down if I walk into the church. Come on, I'm so much of a mess. Listen, Jesus is not afraid of your mess. He's not afraid of your scars. He's here with affection and willing to heal you. And church, we need to stop being afraid of other people's mess. Because they're not going to have a message if we're afraid of their mess, friends. God is using us to be his very hands and feet. And that means we need to clothe ourselves with compassion and kindness and affection for one another. If we're willing to reach out like Jesus, then we have to show affection. The other thing that we have to do is not only should we show affection and love, but we've got to caution people. We've got to caution them. See, this is what Jesus did in verse 33. He sent him away at once with a what? A strong warning. A what? A caution. I'm about to preach now, y'all. Put your seatbelts on, strap in, get your still toes, shoot boots on. It's about to go down. See, he said this, see that you don't tell this to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Now, see, Jesus asked the man to do one thing. He asked him not to tell anyone what just happened, but instead to go to the priest to get checked out. This showed a couple of things. It showed that Jesus was respectful of the law and that he wanted him to follow the law and be cleansed. But Jesus also knew, most scholars agree, that, that, that Jesus knew that if people would understand that he had, because, see, they only believe, Jewish people only believe that God can heal, so that, 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 was gonna, that his div- divinity was being revealed through all these healings, especially reaching out and touching a leper where he could have been defiled himself if he was not God. See, friends. And so Jesus knew that if, if the Jewish people would start get, grabbing a hold of this ahead of, uh, ahead of his time, just like he told his mother when, he, when, when Mary wanted him to go to a healing, he said, my time has not come yet. See, but he respected his mother enough to still obey and do it. But Jesus knew that if this word would get around, that the Jewish people, because their understanding of the Messiah was that he was going to be ruler, basically like the president of Israel, okay? The ruler of Israel, and that their understanding is that he was going to take it by force, okay? And, and the, there was going to be a great war. That was what their understanding was. They didn't understand the suffering servant Messiah, that Jesus had to suffer on the cross to win us spiritually before he could ever win us physically. Jesus is coming back again, friends, as that ruling uh, Messiah that's going to bring peace to the, to the earth. But at the first coming, he had to suffer on the cross, And they didn't get that. And Jesus knew they didn't get that. And he knew by force they would try to make him king. And that wasn't his plan. His kingdom was not of this earth. Like he told Pilate, my kingdom is not of this earth. Okay, so we have to have an understanding. When God gives us a caution, it's for a reason. It's for a reason. When God gives us a warning, it's for a reason. But in the church today in America, friends, we want all the affection, all the love of Jesus without any of the warnings. Is it not true? Oh, Jesus, tell me how much you love me. Tell me, you know, fill me up when I'm feeling down. Please give me a breakthrough when I need it financially. Please send people around me to comfort me when I'm sick and going through a hard time. But when a word of correction and caution comes and says the reason you're going through this is because you have not got this area of your life in line. Oh, I don't want to hear it anymore. When we first started a church, there was a man, um, a, a family that was coming, and we loved them, and we reached out to them, so many things. We did so many things. I, I'm not even going to tell all the details because the nosy people are going to try to figure out who this couple is, okay? So there, <laughs> but <laughs> it was not Pastor Earl. There was, you know, they, they were constantly in crisis, 
and we were constantly rescuing them. And then finally, uh, the man came to Pastor Josh, and this is why <laughs> I tell people sometimes, you don't want me to mentor you, because if you ask me, then I'm going to speak into your life. And y'all really don't want Pastor Josh to mentor him, because he will, at, he, if you meet with him, he will speak into your life. And so this man met with him, and Pastor Josh said, brother, you're not making enough money to take care of your family. You need to get a stable job. Or you're going to be in this place month after month after month. This man got so offended, he still barely talks to us, even though we've, except for a couple crises, we've been there again for him. But this man got so offended, like we didn't already help him time and time again, that he walked away and, and, and relationship was severed because of it. And this was years ago, so stop trying to figure out who it is, okay? The point of the story is that we are like that. We want everything good handed to us, but we don't want the word of caution. We want the gospel messages to be all peace and all love and all joy, but when there's a word of caution that says you need to stop your sin, we don't want to hear it. Now listen, friends, there was another nameless person in the Bible. This woman was known as the woman caught in adultery in John chapter 8. The religious men, I don't know why they only caught the woman and not the man, because see, the, the Bible said they both should have, the Old Testament, they both should have been brought before. But, you know, it was a sexist society. They grabbed the woman up. They grabbed her up. All the religious men were all like, oh, yeah, we're about to have some fun. We're about to stone this woman. I don't know if that was their idea of fun. They threw her at Jesus' feet and said she was caught in the act of adultery. The law says we should stone her. Okay, you guys know what happens next. Jesus starts writing in the sand. A lot of scholars believe maybe that he was writing the sins of the people. Some people said even maybe he was writing their mistresses' names in the, in the sand. Who knows what Jesus did? But whatever he wrote, he said he without sin throw the first stone. And the oldest to the youngest start going away. They all left one by one where it was only Jesus with the woman. Now this is a part of the true account that is not told. Then he said to her, Daughters, your sins are forgiven. Go and sin no more. We always want to say, oh, can't throw no stones at me. Can't judge me. But listen, the other part of that is Jesus said, go and sin no more. There's always a word of caution. When you read the Bible and you want the blessings, it's you will be blessed if. Read the if part too, friends. You want a blessed marriage? Then do what the Bible says. You, wanna, you want your finances blessed? Hmm, do what the Bible says. If you're not tithing, they're probably not going to be blessed. He says, test me in this, friends. Oh, man, come on. She's even talking about money today. Listen, friends, God wants to give you a word of caution too. Not just affection, caution, warning. He loves you enough he doesn't want to see you fall off a cliff. He loves you enough he wants to see you secure and steady in him and stable. God wants to raise you up so you could be mature. You could be a tree planted by a river that your, your, with your roots going down deep and your branches bearing much fruit. But that's not going to happen, friends, if you don't listen to the word of caution. Can someone say amen? amen. This is the thing, friends. God wants us to reach out, and he wants, us, he wants to heal us, and he wants to use us to heal others. But he also wants to warn us. He also wants to caution us. There's things that we can't partake in. There's things in the world that the world can do that we can't do because we are not called to be of the world, but we are called to be separate, friends. God says in his word, Hebrews 12, 5 and 6, he says this, have you completely forgotten the word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son? What is it? It's a word of what? 
encouragement. And this is the word of encouragement. My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you because the Lord disciplines the one he loves and he chastises everyone he accepts as sons. When you get disciplined, when a word of correction or caution or warning is brought to you, don't be offended. Don't be offended for Christ's sake. It is for your good. It's to build you up. Pastor Josh talks about that six months when I first got on fire for God. I was like wishy-washy all the way through high school, led people to the Lord and still uh, was going out and doing stupid things. Wishy-washy, wishy-washy, wishy-washy until I finally sold out around 18, 19 years old. Took about six months of breaking that rebellion and breaking uh, uh, anger and all kinds of rage. And during that time, it was correction after correction after correction. I was trying to get right with God, okay? Young, like Danette's age, Right like you. And I, I, I was trying to get right to, with God, went to master's commission for a year, intense program discipling. And I'm telling you, my mom just, every time I was praying, my mom decided she was going to walk in my room for some reason. She had to put something up or get something or whatever. And I used to lose my patience. Like, why are you in here? I'm trying to spend time with Jesus. <laughs> you remember mom? And, and now I got, I had to, now I had to try not to do that to my children when I'm getting my sermons together. I was like, Don't come back here. I'm spending time with God. <laughs> I, I remember that when God revealed to me that is I cannot use him as an excuse for my weak flesh and anger problem and I remember God tested me as soon as I realized that I prayed and asked for forgiveness and no I'm telling you like it felt like the very next moment I was, time I was praying sure enough she came walking into my room and I had to learn to keep on praying it's a not be mean. You remember when, when you said, oh, man, I remember when you did that. I knew you were changing then. <laughs> Pray I still do that to my children today. <laughs> I'm telling you, friends, God wants to, he wants to bring correction to us. Now, if I would have been upset, like, when, when that was brought to me, then you know what? I would have never grown. So many things were brought to me. So many things from the way I dressed, the way I carried myself, the way I talked. I mean, when you really want God to go in deep, he's going to go in deep, friends. We got to receive not just his, infection, his affection, but his caution. Amen. The last thing I want to talk about today, friends, if we want to reach others, we have to help make Jesus famous. I like this part. So Jesus gave a word of caution, but listen, the brother just was so excited, man. He just got cleansed from leprosy. We don't even know how long the man with leprosy had it. Long enough that he was known as the man with leprosy. Okay. Long enough that he was defined by his disease. Instead, he allowed, the disease, he allowed God to refine him, not define him, friends. And so what he did instead, he went out and he began to talk freely, spreading the news. As a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but stayed outside in lonely places. Yet the people still came to him from everywhere. The man with leprosy couldn't help but talk about Jesus. He made Jesus famous. Friends, are you making Jesus famous in your life? Are you sharing about the good things he's doing in you? Are you sharing it on Facebook? Are you sharing it on any other social network? Now are you sharing it with your family, with your friends? Are you saying, look what Jesus has done in me? Because God wants us to make him famous. He wants us to, to not care about what we look like, but care about what he looks like. He wants us to represent him well. What are you doing to make Jesus famous? When was the last time you talked and shared your faith with somebody? Friends, stand up on your feet with me. I can go on there longer, but we have a second service we got to get to. <laughs> Let's go ahead and close our eyes and, and just get our hearts ready. Friends, God wants us to reach out to others.
He really truly does. He reached out to you. Will you, are you, gonna, will you be willing to reach out to, to others? If you could just take a moment. Heavenly Father, I just thank you, Lord God, for touching us right now. God, I thank you for reaching out, Lord God. No sin is too great for you to touch us, for you to reach out. If there's someone in here today that needs a touch from the Lord, needs Jesus to reach them, would you raise your hand? God wants to reach out to you today. If there's someone in here today, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We're going to ask you to come up to the altar here in a moment, but there's one more call out that I want to do. If there's people in here that know God is calling them to reach out to others, would you raise your hand today? If God is calling you to take risks, if he's calling you to make the effort to expose yourself, expose the light of God in you, if he's calling you to do these things, to to give affection and, and caution to others, if he's showing that he wants you to use you to make Jesus famous, if that's you today, would you raise your hand? Would you raise your hand? Thank you. Thank you. So many of you. Thank you. Thank you. We're going to ask you now at this time, if you would, if, if, whatever one of you is that, just come on up here to the altar. We want to pray for you. Just come on up. If you raise your hand today, take that step of faith and come on up. Thank you. Jesus. Can we have our prayer team come on up too, please? Okay. I want to speak a blessing over all of us. And if we have to leave, that's going to be okay. But just do so quietly because there's people up here that are going to need breakthrough. So let's just pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord God, for your sons and daughters in this house today, Lord. I thank you that you're going to reach out to them with the love of Christ. And God, I thank you that you're going to use them to reach out to others. God, I pray that they would walk out of here changed people transformed by your word, transformed by renewing of their minds. Lord, that you would be the lifter of their head today. God, that you would use them to reach others. Lord, I thank you for those at the altar today, Lord. We're just praying for a breakthrough for them. We thank you, Lord God, that greater is he that's in them than he that's in the world. God, have your way. We thank you for this service today. We thank you for our time with you. In Jesus' name, amen.